Итак, у кого из вас есть Библия, можете открыть вместе со мной знакомое для нас место Писания, в котором сокрыто бездна, богатство, премудрости и ведение Божие в достоинстве нашего неследнимого наследия во Христе Иисусе. Матфея, глава 5, стихи 45-48. «Да будете сынами Отца вашего Небесного, ибо Он повелевает Солнцу Своему восходить над злыми и добрыми и посылает дождь на праведных и неправедных. Итак, будьте совершенны, как совершен Отец ваш Небесный». Проповедь, которую я хочу продолжить, так и называется «Призванные к совершенству». Эта обетованная заповедь, как мы знаем, является наследием святых всех времен и поколений, и адресована эта заповедь Христом сугубо или же исключительно своим ученикам. А посему люди, не признающие над собою власти человека, посланного Богом, к наследию этой заповеди никакого отношения еще никогда не имели и навряд ли уже когда-нибудь смогут иметь. В связи с исполнением этой повелевающей заповеди мы остановились на назначении праведности Божией в сердце человека. Какие цели призвана преследовать праведность Божия, пребывающая в нашем сердце? А в частности на том, что назначение праведности Божией в нашем сердце, принятое нами в разбитых скрижалях завета, в которых мы законом умерли для закона, чтобы жить, для умершего за нас и воскресшего, и таким образом получить утверждение своего спасения в новых скрижалях завета в формате закона Духа Жизни, чтобы дать Богу основание непрежним законом даровать нам обетование быть наследниками мира, но праведностью веры, подобно тому, как Он это даровал Аврааму и семени Его. Ибо не законом даровано Аврааму или семени Его обетование быть наследником мира, но праведностью веры. Римлянам 4. 13. Праведность – это то, что человек пустил в залог и получил в свою собственность. До тех пор, пока человек не пустит оправдание, которое получил в залог, в оборот он не получит это оправдание в собственность, чтобы оно стало его праведностью, чтобы он мог творить правду. Pressure his mind so that he can uh, somehow degrade the person that is preaching or somehow question his authority. The covenant of peace within the heart of man is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God, which are the spoken words of God's delegated ones. It is by the means of the righteousness of faith, the covenant of peace presented in the inheritance of peace is called to abide and be within the heart of a man, evidence of the fact that we are children of God. Therefore, the inheritance of peace abiding within the covenant of peace is the treasury of our hope in God, containing the bond of all of the promises of God. The achievement of these is the goal of the given to us righteousness. It is righteousness that is called to take God's promises and to uh, receive them into the heart and grow them. 
It is righteousness by the means of the peace of God contained in the covenant of peace that can and is called to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, because what we ask for and think to have is already placed upon our account in Jesus Christ. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6, 7. And what is placed upon our account will be in our heart already. These will be the promises that are already placed upon our account. They'll be upon our heart. And so we will already thank God for what is in us already. Yet it may not be physically uh, happening or existing, but in our heart it's already there. And we begin to thank God as Abraham thanked God that he is a father of many nations not having even a son. And he thanked God that he was a father of many nations and God accounted to him as a righteousness. The peace of God that is able to guard our minds in Christ Jesus is the mind that is renewed by the spirit of our mind, which is the mind of Christ in our spirit. Again, these are the thoughts of the hills. The soul of a man is captivated by the hills. What is going to be there in the new heaven and the new earth? How will we be there? What will our eternity look like? How will we <clears throat> have fellowship with one another there? How will we meet with Abraham? How will we see Adam, our forefather, because he was the first person that was created by God from the seed uh, that all the nationalities of the world came from, how surprising it will be where there will be no night, where there will not be suffering, where there will not be sorrow, where there will not be tears, where there will be complete trust. There will not be any uh, vulgar odors, but only fragrance, where there will not be a necessity to wake up every morning and, and brush your teeth and wash your face because all will be so absolutely pure and perfect and fragrant, not having any need in cleansing. It is only here that we have a need in cleansing. But in the new heaven and new earth, this will not be. The mind can't capture this. But this is the thoughts of the hills or the, the greater things. As he says, I plead with you to think about the things of the uh, of the Lord. When you begin, stop thinking about the Lord and start thinking about the things of the world, the peace of God is lost. The peace of God cannot be in a man who meditates and focuses upon the things of the earth. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans 8, 6 through 8. And so, like persons, thinking that they're going to heaven, thinking that they're Christians, they are actually sliding down the hill and not ex and they experience this euphoria uh, and this energy they think that they're actually in peace with God but they are sliding down quickly 
It is in their uh, dead religious institutes that in some way are uh, friends with false charismatic services. They're, in, they're not afraid of it because it's from one wellspring that they all come. According to the given place, we conclude that people that refuse the condition where the truth of the preached word and the power of the Holy Spirit renews their mind by the spirit of their mind have no part to the peace of God and are not able to have it, as we often say. And consequently, such people have no part and cannot have any part to the sons of peace, who by the means of the peace of God will inherit eternal salvation in the kingdom of heaven. We need to apprehend well that only collaborating our spirit with our renewed mind, that is, within Jesus Christ, we are called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our body and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ so that the truth, the seed, for it to fall into our heart, into our spirit, it needs to come through our mind. And so for the faith of God to be able to be confessed with our mouth, it first needs to uh, pass by our mind. If our mind is not renewed, then this uh, action the collaborative work, it can't exist. And when we hear the word of God, there's no uh, work because a simple mind not renewed by the spirit of the mind that is not subject to the spirit is not able to uh, send it down into the heart. It keeps it in the mind and gathers as a tr in a treasury as the cherubim on high did before he was thrown in, uh, to the earth. These are people who are dependent on their own mind, their knowledge, and think that they know much. There are people who, uh, who have success in this. They're very successful in uh, obtaining much knowledge and keeping it. And this will be there to their destruction. God did not intend that biblical colleges or institutes will form a person and grow a person. He has the Church of Jesus Christ. This is what he planned. And it is here that a person is called to receive into the good soil of his heart the seed and grow it into the fruits of righteousness. Relevant to this, we stop to look at the fourth question, by what signs do we examine ourselves, that we are sons of peace and therefore are the sons of God. Because it is only by the rule of the peace of God within our heart that we are able to examine ourselves as to whether we are truly the sons of God. As it is written, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the people who are able to perform peace. They shall be called sons of God. It's not possible to perform peace if you don't have it in your heart. As soon as you uh, capture some kind of bad information, uh, rumor about someone else, you then start sharing this with someone else. You need to keep in mind that every time we hear rumors of one of someone else and our heart is not cleansed from dead works, we will add to these rumors. We will uh, blow them up. And the one that we pass it on to will blow it up even further. And when we attempt to find the wellspring of criticism of this accusation, we will not be able to find it. People of study have, have, have tested these things and tried to find the wellspring of these rumors. And you know what they had concluded? 
they concluded that uh, rumors have a supernatural origin. This is why they happen. Atheists had actually come to this conclusion that and we need to become, be very alert and not pass on rumors or bad information about one another. And so if a person has not died for his nation, for the house of his father, and for his fleshly life or life in the flesh, then his justification, which he receives in salvation by faith in Christ Jesus in the format of a guarantee, will, uh, this justification will never turn into the quality and format of righteousness where he would receive the ability to be clothed into the inheritance of the peace of God in order to bear within our righteousness the fruits of peace which is why the crown of righteousness of such people will be taken from them, giving them the right to the promise of peace in which they would be able to be called sons of God. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. Revelations 3:11. Our crown is the fruits of righteousness as the stronghold of life within our body. This is our crown. And when people receive it, this is that crown, that so people understand this is not some kind of specific item upon your head or a, cr a literal crown. This is the stronghold of life, the resurrection of Christ that is enthroned in our body. This is the crown of righteousness. In a specific format, we've already looked at six signs by which we need to determine and examine ourselves as to whether we are the sons of peace as well as the sons of God and have been studying the seventh sign. This is our ability to clothe our essence into the holy and selective love of God. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians 3, 14, 15. The selective love of God presented by the Holy Spirit and Scripture in seven unearthly qualities by the preached word of the apostles and prophets. These are seven elements of one fruit. Virtue, which reveals itself in knowledge, knowledge in self-control, self-control reveals itself in perseverance, perseverance reveals itself in godliness, godliness reveals itself in brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness in love, Second Peter 1, 2 through 8. In a specific format from the seven qualities that together identify within our heart the goodness of God in the perfection of his selective love, we have already looked at five of these qualities. Therefore, we'll immediately look at the sixth, and this is brotherly love. The selective love of God in brotherly love allows us to pass from the state of death to the state of eternal life eternal life. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. We know. It doesn't say we feel that we have passed from death to life. We don't feel. We know that we have passed from death to life. When I know, I don't need to feel. I feel when I don't know. When you don't know, your eyes are closed and you feel something. But what is it? And you feel something physical. And he's saying, this is, this is an elephant, but you're holding it by the tail. You're only holding the tail portion. And so people, again, you're feeling, 
And with their feelings, they try to identify the truth because they're led by their feelings. We know that we have passed from death to life. Faith is information that comes from hearing the word of God that is given to us as a revelation and is revealed. We know that we have passed from death to life. Evidence, because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. And so we can identify within ourselves Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we, all, we know love because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. 1 John 3:14 through 18. You know how you love with the word. They say in churches, turn to one another and tell the, the person next to you you love them. But this is not in scripture. That's not how you demonstrate God's love. You demonstrate it as you see your brother and you say, why are you saddened? Why are you in sorrow? Jesus meets the two disciples that were walking from Jerusalem and they were saddened and he asked them, why are you so sad? And they asked him, what is you that of those, you're the only one that came to Jerusalem that does not know, why are you sad? He, a brother, he sees uh, the compassion will open up their sorrow and will hear. And you, and you hear the need and you offer to help this person. Something happened with the, to them and you help them, not with word, but with deed. This is, it's easier to turn to someone else and say, brother, I love you, or sister, I love you, and greet one another. And if that's not enough, they say, put your hand on the other person's head and pray for them. It's, don't ever do these kinds of things. When a person is born from God, he is faced with a choice either to enter the state of death and become dead to God and useless for any good work or enter into the state of eternal life that until now he was not familiar with and become useful for all good work and demonstrate brotherly love. If I am from God, I'm already in the state of life. When, when you're born from God, you received this eternal life in the format of a guarantee. It's not yet your own. It's, but when you convert it, then will you receive it back as a prophet, as your own personal possession. You, none of us are born uh, with righteousness as our own or eternal life as our own. It's all given to us in the format of a guarantee. Every person that is born from God is put into the same situation that Adam was put in. Adam in the Garden of Eden, he had eternal life. He did not have eternal life. He was a man of the flesh. He still did not have this eternal life at the time. He was offered eternal life in the fruits of the tree of life and eternal death in the fruits of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Being a person of the flesh, Adam was called, or a carnal man, 
Adam was called to eat of the fruits of the tree of life so that his carnal body would change into a heavenly body. In other words, in order to be born from God by the resurrection of Christ, and were born, again, not by the death of Christ, but the resurrection of Christ, and doing so become carriers of the light of life of a different form. It is necessary by the means of demonstrating brotherly love in your faith to obtain a specific state that would be able to become an atmosphere for the fortress of God. The burning power of the love of God agape revealing itself in brotherly love is concealed in the commandments that are implemented by God. Don't tell someone you love them because you may have the feeling but there's no deed. Oftentimes a husband who has betrayed her, his wife or wife betraying her husband says, I love you. This is just sex but I still love you. This is a deception. If you loved this person, you would not have betrayed them. You would not have betrayed them. We need to understand that. Jesus says, you love me, keep my commandments. Peter says, Lord, but you know that I love you. He was looking at his emotions. But Jesus says, if you love me, tend my sheep. Take care of my sheep. I give you the calling but you came, you went back to your profession, back to fishing. I told you that I call you from this, from this role and you will be a fisher of men, but you say, I go fishing. And the disciple said, we also will go with you. But he put him as the leader and he went back to fishing after Jesus' crucifixion. And Jesus tells him three times, take care of my sheep. And three times he tells him, Lord, you know that I love you. And he became sad that Jesus three times had asked him, showing him his true calling. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. Abide with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. He will go to you into the pits of hell if necessary. Jesus by the Holy Spirit offered himself. The Holy Spirit will be with you everywhere to the end and will be in the new heaven and new earth. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. John 14, 15 through 17. <clears throat> and so at the moment when Jesus was speaking with the disciples, the Holy Spirit was with the disciples, but was not inside of the disciples because they had not yet received him. They were not yet baptized by the Holy Spirit. Receiving the Holy Spirit is linked to baptism, and baptism is not always receiving of the Holy Spirit. Baptism is a guarantee of the Holy Spirit that you give us a spirit as a guarantee as it is written but to have him in you you have to be in such a state of life where Jesus can enter into your heart as the Lord and your master and not just as a guest according to the given place of scripture to demonstrate the selective love of God in brotherly love it is possible by fulfilling two conditions first following the commandments of the Lord which regulate our relationship with God and our brothers in the faith as our neighbors for whom we are called to lay down our life 
in order to pass from death to life. Second, receiving the Holy Spirit into your heart as the Lord and Master of your life in His power and wisdom that are within the commandments of the Lord that are imprinted upon our heart and revealing the consistency of brotherly love in the holy love of God. Therefore, the love of God agape, by the means of the thummim and urim abiding within our heart, reveals itself in the atmosphere of brotherly love that governs with its power over the emotional aspects and storms of our human feelings by the confessions of the faith of our heart that abide within our heart. We confess what we know and not what we feel. Confessing the faith of your heart controls our feelings as a good rider controls his restrained horse. For we we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able to also bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us and we turn their whole body. Look also as a ship, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. James 3, 2 through 4. The rudder is our cleansed mouth that confesses the faith of the heart. The unclean <coughs> mouth is also a rudder, but the one uh, control uh, or turn direct the horse to hell and the other to heaven. To not stumble in word when demonstrating brotherly love is to speak about your brothers, not basing what you say or what you state about your brother by the sight of your eyes or the hearing of your ears, but based on righteousness that is within the atmosphere of the commandments of God. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. But with the righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. According to this prophetic word, brotherly love consists of defending your brothers from slander spoken by the wicked and lawless that are present or exist among the saints. Relevant to this, we needed to study and answer four classical questions. First, what signs do we determine, or by what signs do we determine that a person is our brother for whom we are called to lay down our life so we can demonstrate in our faith brotherly love? What purpose is the selective love of God called to fulfill in our brotherly love for one another? What conditions do we need to fulfill in order to demonstrate within our faith the selective love of God and brotherly love? And by what results do we examine ourselves that we have brotherly love one for another <coughs> within the selective love of God? <coughs> we will keep in mind that we are not talking about brothers by flesh and blood, but about brothers or a brotherly love amongst the saints, as it is written. Let brotherly love continue, Hebrews 13.1. We've noted that in the time of the law of Moses, as well as our time, which belongs to the law of grace, not all who call themselves brothers amongst the holy nation are, according to Scripture, truly the seed of God. For they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are all of them children, because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called. And so... 
this is those that are children of the flesh, those are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed, Romans 9, 6 through 8. The right to be called a brother for one another is something that includes all the saints of Christ, regardless of whether they are male or female. Because every time we are fertilized or inseminated, inseminate ourselves with the seed of the preached word about the kingdom of heaven, then all of us, without exception, fulfill the function of a female, which is why the scriptures call all of us the daughters of Zion or the bride of the Lamb. If the heart is pure, the soil is good, then it can receive seed, and these people are then called a woman, a wife. <clears throat> the bride of Zion but every time we confess with our mouth the faith of God that we previously received and is now abiding within our heart then all of us without exception fulfill the function of a male because the word is the seed which we confess due to this fact the scriptures call all of us a perfect man that has grown into full measure of growth in Christ which is why I trust that sisters should not be feeling or thinking that they somehow are disqualified from this. In all generations, this has never been explained, and they've always experienced themselves disqualified, separated, and not considered. And so that's why they've always been belittled, they've always been lowered, and put. Uh, they required they put a covering on their head uh, and never gave them the right to speak. In scripture, when it talks about a covering, this is talking about the authority of God. This is authority for the angels. When the angels see a person who has upon himself a covering, then they are obedient to this person. They immediately take his words and fulfill them. When a person does not have this covering, then they these prayers and words of the person are not uh, paid attention to. He can bind whatever is not needing to be bound, and he can rebuke whatever he thinks needs to be rebuked, but these will only be words, and because covering is the acknowledgement of God's, God's authority over yourself. That is the person who is sent by God, and these are our parents, these are our husbands, these are <coughs> Any authority that is in this world, the policeman on the road, and you need to not be angry at them or dislike them. If you will experience love for the policeman, then when he stops you, but even if you have not said anything or done anything, in many situations he'll show you mercy because he will not be able to not notice that love and respect that you will show. Again, authority needs to be respected because all authority is from God. And this is anointing. The anointing is given, anointing of God is given to all kings of the earth. Therefore, the term brotherly love includes all of the saints independent from our status, the status we may hold, our age, and independent of whether we are belonging to the male or female gender. It's not dependent on the male or female gender. 
There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Galatians 3, 28, 29. The virtue that the scripture ascribed to a brother in Christ is the virtue of a neighbor. When the scriptures speak of brotherly love, then it is referring to a love that we are called to demonstrate for our brother as our neighbor. It's very rare that people possess the virtue of a, of a neighbor. Therefore, we need to provide a comprehensive identification of who is able to be called and who is able to be our brother in Christ Jesus as our neighbor. In a specific format, we've already looked at the first two questions in the purpose of brotherly love or brotherly kindness and stopped to look at the third question or question three. What condition do we need to fulfill in order to demonstrate within our faith the selective love of God and brotherly love toward one another in the body of Christ, that is, the chosen by God remnant? But first I want to remind us that, again, what God has done for us in order to lead us into the unsearchable inheritance of Christ, which we can only inherit by demonstrating brotherly love in our faith. Considering that brotherly love occupies its right and obtains its legal status and its legitimacy, when we comprehend the fact that we are in the status of spiritual infancy that is attracted to various winds of doctrine by cunning craftiness of deception of men, and we make the decision to leave this state of infancy. First, to leave the state of infancy is to acknowledge over yourself the authority of one person that is cloaked into the responsibility of a father from God by the means of a revelation in your heart and refuse the expanse of the internet as well as all of the evangelical events that are not under the authority of this person. In fact, when we speak of this, we need to be very careful when you go to, uh, you search the internet, when a brother of any kind begins to uh, search the scripture, uh, search the internet seeking some, someone, either a friend that they're trying to f connect with. This is, and they're trying to communicate, say, separate, if they're a married husband, man or, or a married woman, and they're trying to chat and communicate with other men and women uh, in, more in, on an intimate basis, then these are, uh, this is a betrayal. If anyone looks at even the opposite sex with desire, he has already uh, committed fornication in his heart, and so stop thinking that there's nothing wrong with that. There is sin, and you are already in the net. You are in the catch, but you don't want to see that or acknowledge that. But you hear what I say about the Holy Spirit, and this word will judge you. You will not end up in heaven if you do not stop this internet and these uh, connections. Second, to leave this state of infancy is by being instructed in the faith, leave and reject your nation, the house of your father, and your corrupt desires of the soul that are cloaked in the, into the garments of personal good works. Third, to leave the state of infancy is by being instructed in the faith, imprint upon the tablets of your heart that cleansed from dead works the truth of the elementary teaching of Christ. Fourth, to leave the state of infancy is by being instructed in the faith, accept the Holy Spirit into your heart in the status of the Lord and master of your life. Because as soon as you have truth in the heart, 
the Holy Spirit gladly will enter in and be there. In the previous services, we already looked at six conditions that give us the legitimate right and ability to demonstrate brotherly love in our relationship with one another. And by doing so, receive the right to the power to pass from death to life. Seventh element to demonstrate brotherly love in the selective love of God agape, it is necessary not to devise evil against your neighbor when he lives by you to be safe. In the, I'm going immediately to the seventh and the reason for this. We'll look at this uh, one through six. Right Now we're going to look at just the seventh element and we'll go back to the others later. Do not devise evil against your neighbor for he dwells by you for safety's sake. Proverbs 3.29 This given command cannot apply directly to Christ who is our neighbor because he knows our thoughts before we change them and devise evil against him but it can apply to our brother who is clothed into the authority of a father from God who is not given the ability to intercept our evil thoughts or intentions and also applies to our brother who is our neighbor and lives with us for safety because he trusts you and relies upon the goodwill you have for him we need to ask the question what can we consider an evil thought or evil division toward our neighbor that lives with us for safety our an evil division is that in our relationship with our neighbor, that is, with our pastor and the faithful to him brothers, our mouth and the thoughts of our heart are not working as one. This happens when we grow jealousy within our heart toward our neighbor and desire evil toward him because we perceive that he is at fault for all of our unrealistic desires, but with our mouth express utmost respect and consideration toward this person. Fervent lips with a wicked heart are like earth, earthenware covered with silver dross. Proverbs 26:23. We need to note that the intention of the Holy Spirit in this situation is to protect the person from the evil division or evil desire that is against our neighbor that lives with him to be safe, because the side that will be affected in the end result will be the person that has devised this evil thought against his neighbor that lives with him to be safe. The person against whom the evil division has been formulated draws the favor of God upon himself and becomes wiser and stronger regardless of the trickery of the man that he lives with to be safe. Therefore, we need to not be deceived in the resistance of the righteous with the wicked. The righteous will come out of this furnace as gold that is cleansed from the foreign and corrupt inclusions. Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues, for I have seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around they go around it on its wall. Iniquity and trouble are also in the midst of it. Destruction is in its midst. Oppression and deceit do not depart from its sit, its streets. For it is not an enemy who reproaches me than I could bear, than I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me, than I could hide from him. But it, but it was you, a man, my equal, my companion, and my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked to the house of God in the throng. Let the death seize them, let them go down alive into hell, for wickedness is their dwelling and among them. And for me I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. 
And for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me, evening and, evening and morning, and at noon I will pray, and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. He has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many against me. God will hear and afflict them, even he who abides from from old, because they do not change, therefore they do not fear God. He has put forth his hand against those who were at peace with him. He has broken his covenant. The words of his mouth were smothered than smothered than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Cast your burden, burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Psalm 55, 9 through 23. Therefore, to demonstrate brotherly love in the selective love of God, agape, it is necessary to purge from your heart then inherited by us jealousy in the sinful seed of our fathers. Therefore it is necessary for us by being instructed in the faith to humble ourselves under the strong arm of God by the power of the cross of Christ so that we can have access to treasure that is concealed in the blood of Christ. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of lamb without blemish and without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that you, <clears throat> that your faith and hope are in God. 1 Peter 1.18-21 through 21. Otherwise, we will not be able to confront the genetic inheritance so that we not devise evil against our brother when he lives with us to be safe. And so we ask the question, by what signs do we examine ourselves on brotherly love in the selective love of God? First sign in demonstrating brotherly love within our faith will be the act in which we will drive out from within our midst the person that secretly devises evil against our brother. Whoever secretly slanders his brother or his neighbor, him I will destroy. The one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him I will not endure. My eyes shall be on the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He who walks in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He who, wa who works deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. Early I will destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. Psalm 101, 5 through 8. According to the given prayer, Psalm of David, we conclude that the word of the psalm is an allegory. First, according to the words of Scripture, to observe and perceive this allegory literally or in literal form is to pervert its essence and resist the words of God. A resistance of such nature in which the meaning of the instruction and commandment of God is perverted that is, in, that is contained in this allegory is incriminated according to scripture as the sin of witchcraft. And second, to observe and perceive the allegory as something literal is the attempt to put your mind equal or even to God's mind. When David says, early I will destroy all the wicked of the land, that I will cut off all the evil doers from the city of the Lord, with these words he pursues the goals of brotherly love. If we are to perceive the statement of David as something literal, then in order to destroy all the wicked of the land, he would at least need to be the ruler, not just the, of the Israelite kingdom, but the whole world. It becomes very clear that for the wicked of the earth to be destroyed, that David carries responsibility for are the wicked 
thoughts and desires that come from the entrails of the old person that lives within his body, that have a partaking to the city of the Lord, which is Jerusalem, the bride of the Lamb. And when David says that he will destroy all the wicked from early morning, and when we talk about early morning, we're talking about the era of the resurrection of Christ, the day of Christ. Such uh, work or act activity would be possible if, and is possible, if the grace of Christ will be enthroned within our body. And so, according to the given allegory, we see here that in the pl this place of scripture, we see three purposes. These uh, neighbor, we're talking about neighbors here. This is our new person sent by uh, one delegated by God that represents Christ and the brother, uh, the brother of Christ, and to uh, determine within ourselves the virtue of a brother and the uh, readiness to destroy all the wicked who slander our brother from our body as well as within our midst, then we need to determine within ourselves brotherly love in these three aspects, although there are many more of them. If we look at our neighbor as our new person, then to blame him within your heart is something that can only be done by the old person or the intelligent aspect of the soul where that is not subject to uh, the cross of Christ. This, is, this happens when a person looks to the perfection of the truth and blames himself in his own mind, which is against the service of justification. When we begin to blame ourselves, not looking at the perfection of the law of truth, but we look at ourselves, how imperfect we are when it comes to the law, then we begin to blame our neighbor, our new person because we are <coughs> in the service of justification. <coughs> and so we need to justify ourselves and not condemn ourselves. If something has happened with you, you need to justify yourself, not blame yourself. Yes, you may have sinned, and to justify yourself, you need to say, Lord, <coughs> I admit to my sin, I, de I deny my sins, I reject my sins, I forgive me and cleanse me from them. And I thank you that I remain your son and your daughter because the righteous will fall seven times but rise again. Being in the service of justification, when you sin, you lose. You don't lose your righteousness. You do not lose your righteousness. The righteous is the Son of God. You can't lose your sonhood because you had sinned. Your heart will begin to suffer. <coughs> the Holy Spirit will comfort you at this time. He will not correct you because your conscience is already condemning you and you're already in shock. You're already suffering. And the Holy Spirit will instruct you. You can leave these sins and start again. You are within my hands and I will not leave you. I love you. This is the service of justification. <clears throat> when a person looking at the perfection of the truth 
blames himself in his mind against the service of justification, trying to be justified, not understanding the service of justification, and trying to instead do good work so that he can be justified. They begin to evangelize uh, fast. One person told me, I believe that I believe that God has forgiven my fornication because I had fasted for 40 days. I told him, you could fast until you uh, can literally fit through the crack of a door, but you still will go to hell because that's not how God forgives you. You need to uh, receive justification and confirm who you are in Jesus Christ, what he's done for you in Jesus Christ. He has made you his son, his child. And when sons and daughters, our sons and daughters do something wrong, we can punish them, but we can't reject them and say, son, you are no longer a son to me because you are not listening to me. For I bear, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, for they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God, for Christ is the end of the law, for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law, the man who does those things shall live by them, but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. This is to bring Christ down from above. Who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whomever calls, here for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? And so again, you have lost peace in your heart because you sinned, but you remain righteous. The righteous will fall seven times, but rise again. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith, uh, uh, and so again, uh, faith is information that you hear from the mouth of the person whom God has placed. Romans 10, 2 through 17. If by the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ have separated ourselves from our nation, the house of our Father, and from our corrupt desires, considering ourselves dead to sin, living for God, and proclaiming that not existent stronghold of life within our body as existent, then this is testimony that we from early morning are doing the work that we're destroying all of the wicked of the earth so that we can uproot them from 
the city of the Lord, all those who perform lawlessness. How do we approve them? When we consider ourselves dead to sin, living for God, and we proclaim the not existent as existent. Such a confession of faith drives away the wicked of the earth. <clears throat> if we look at our neighbor in the form of our Lord, who is the person that is clothed into the a father of God, then only the one that does not live under the shadow of the Almighty is able to blame him in his heart because he refuses to have a covering upon his head for glory and beauty. And so a person that secretly uh, devises against his neighbor, and that is the delegated that is from the Holy Spirit, And so again, this is a person that blames the delegated uh, of God in his heart. And his atmosphere then is secret lawlessness. When a person condemns and is blaming the delegated person that is placed by God in his heart, then this his heart is the atmosphere of secret lawlessness. Because inside, he's always blaming because in his mind, the picture is not formed, not that suit, not that car that he should be driving, not the dress she should have worn, and where is they using the money, and so all kinds of different things. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, then she she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, and stood at his feet being behind him weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Then, now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who or what manner of woman this is who is touching him for she is a sinner Luke 7:36-39 again a person who is uh, who blames his neighbor in his heart is a person that is arrogant and dares in his heart to blame the neighbor that he is blaming and from this will his salvation depend and so this man determined that he should not have uh, communicated with this woman or ha allowed her to have access to him, she was crying because of her sins. She was washing his feet with her tears and wiping it with her hair, and she poured upon his head this alabaster uh, jar of oil, and it was very expensive. You needed to work 360 days to earn enough money to buy this fragrance. But he didn't look at that, uh, this man. He began to blame in his heart Jesus for the word to accuse, not having the authority to blame, to accuse, to judge. This does not mean not to speak the truth. The original says what about criticism? In Hebrew, not having the authority to blame, to judge, to correct, 
The devil accuses us before God day and night, not having the right to judge us, to condemn us, to blame us. He sees with his wicked eyes our sins, but he does not see that the sin has been blotted out by the blood of Jesus. He doesn't believe in this, he doesn't see this. You speak of a person that he has sinned, but maybe this person already repented and you begin to speak bad things about him. But what if they repented? Then what? Then you not having the right to judge, accuse, and blame are accusing your brother. Every time God shows the devil, it's blotted out. It is cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. In my book, I don't have these sins. And so the one with the tail can leave. We will keep in mind that at the head of any criticism where a person not having the right judges his neighbor, and because of this, his salvation depends. He is on the side of Satan, who is a crit uh, an enemy of God and a critic. As the accuser, the devil does not acknowledge God's forgiveness. An accuser is one of the qualities of the fallen cherubim. He accuses and blames uh, us day and night. And so the accuser, through this person, then accuses his brothers. And so even in the world, People do not blame their brother in that is uh, related to them, in relation, blood relation to them. At one time, I worked with an individual. There were two brothers. We worked all in the same place. And the younger brother always stole from the older one. And those around saw these things and told them, listen, he's always stealing from you. But he looked at them and said, you tell me this once again, you will receive it or I'll, I'll punch you is really what he was meaning to say. He's my brother. I heard this, it was in my presence that this was said and I thought, this is an example. We so easily blame one another and accuse one another without, instead of protecting or defending one another. When the devil accuses any of us, I come to the Lord and say, Lord, the devil will accuse this person. Yes, they have sinned, but he's my brother. He's my sister. Or she's my sister. I want to forgive them. And in essence, such a person who has this quality as a Pharisee did, they dared to take upon themselves the responsibility of the sons of Levi, and they are on the side of the dragon. Those that are accused are on the side of the Archangel Michael and his angels. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. 
but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heaven. And so when we defend our brother, the serpent of old is thrusted out. Therefore rejoice, O heaven, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and to the sea, for the devil has has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. Revelations 12, 7 through 12. We need to keep in mind that our neighbor that we accuse, we accuse in our heart in a lawlessness that we decided that he has and that we ascribe to him and his virtues we ascribe to ourselves. Sooner or later, sooner or later uh, the Lord will have his victory over this uh, this ugly criticism and uh, this evil that has been crafted in the heart will receive its reward and so before you accuse your brothers we will remember that specifically from this person does your salvation depend and entering into the unsearchable inheritance of Christ as it is written for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us 2 Corinthians 1.20 and so accusing our brother in our heart we lose the ability to have our sins be forgiven so Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he has said this, his brethren on them, and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. John 20, 21 through 23, when we accuse and blame our brother from whom our salvation depends, then <clears throat> even if we previously confessed our sins and they were released, but when we accuse and we blame and we forget and we agree to these things uh, those sins that were forgiven us by this delegated person will be returned upon our head accusing our brother our, our neighbor we lose our ability to believe in the one whom God has sent. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. John 6, 28, 29. We, again, uh, obeying the words of the person whom he sent, we, we do a good work. If we, if we criticize and accuse our brethren, we cannot then walk in the light so we can have fellowship with one another <clears throat> so that the blood of Christ can cleanse us from all our sins. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we 
we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. 1 John 1, 6 through 10. <clears throat> and so only in fellowship with one another does the blood of Jesus Christ cleanse us from all sin. And so right now we will pray. Let's bend our knees. I invite all of you, all the saints, that in some way have accused their brother have resisted the Holy Spirit have accused God's delegated ones you can come here to the front and repent so that you can partake in the communion may the Lord bless us when the Holy Spirit uh, corrects in some way he immediately is ready to fulfill his word when we are humble he is faithful and true to cleanse us from all unrighteousness amen let us pray I will be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is for you. He's not against you. And right now when we will pray and when you will confess your sins, He will cleanse you from all your sins and will restore you and you will be able to take part in this communion so that you can take life into yourself and live. Pray together with me, Heavenly Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, I open up my heart. You see my pain that hasn't been inflicted by sin. I hate sin. I hate the destructive desires of my soul. I ask you, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, 
I forgive my tres those trespassers, the accusers, in the name of Jesus Christ. Forgive me as I forgive them. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven, and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May all this be upon you and upon your children and be fulfilled upon you, and the nation shall say, Amen.
First Corinthians 11:23-32. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, "Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me." In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, "This cup." is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup and proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. And so any person who has received Jesus Christ as his personal Savior is able to take part in this communion and has confirmed it with the baptism of water, made a covenant with God. The exception are children who do not need to make a covenant because they, God already accounts this uh, covenant to them. But we need to be in the likeness of these children. I will ask everyone to stand and we will pray for the bread. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the broken body. It will be passing by your people, and we will take of it and eat of it. May your favor be upon your nation, and may in their bodies all the illnesses and weaknesses be destroyed and your life and resurrection may it be in their body as you had said whoever eats my body will have life in themselves thank you for your broken body as this bread that we will eat and we worship before you our great god son and holy spirit amen it is written and he gave thanks and said take eat this is my body broken for you that please be seated that road that is approached please stand and each one will break his own bread For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes.
proclaiming the Lord's death in heaven is a triumph, not a, a time of sorrow, but a time of triumph and celebration because Jesus with his death has destroyed the stronghold of death. He has overcome it. And so at the time of taking part in this great service, it, we need to rejoice. And this is again not an emotion, but information that we receive. Joy is determined by our hatred toward lawlessness and our love toward God, toward righteousness. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. And so joy is an act, is an act, is in, in, in the form of an act in fulfilling God's command. God's command is how to treat your brothers and how to treat lawlessness. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. One of the Psalms that was sung during the Passover feast was uh, commanded by David. The first Psalm was the 18th Psalm when God delivered David from all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. Saul was demonstrated his personal mind and when God delivered him, he delivered the new person from the power of the soul and when the soul became subject to the spirit, when the soul is subject to the spirit, it becomes a prince and then you can come and worship at the threshold. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And here is how the psalm begins that has become the component of our study. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. This service that we are a part of, this communion service, includes these eight names or the inheritance contained in these eight names because in this service there is a covenant Eight is the number of a covenant, and when Jesus had broken the bread, he said, he is making a new covenant with his disciples, one that he, because it wasn't the covenant that he had made with their fathers, forefathers, but a new covenant, because that one was broken. When we violate God's co uh, covenant, God does not violate it. And so in the wilderness, they violated it, and they needed a new, uh, new covenant that the righteous may fall seven times but rise again. God begins to defend us in Jesus Christ. And when we sin, he looks at us through Jesus Christ. And so every time when we 
honor God. And when we eat this bread or drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. I will ask everyone to stand and we will pray for the cup. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the cup of the covenant, the new cup in which you make a new covenant with us when it will be passing by your people and we will take of it and drink of it. May your life come upon us, your healing and your joy and your peace. May it enrobe each one of us and may we all together be united in this cup in the name of your son Jesus Christ Amen please be seated that road that is approached please stand For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Jesus said that this joy is something no one can take from you. Even our weakness our offenses cannot take away this joy. It continues to remain within our heart. And so every time you do something you didn't want to do, a sinful act, do not remain in it. Remember immediately who you are, who God is for you in Jesus Christ, what he's done for you in Jesus Christ, who you are to him, and immediately rise up and justify yourself through Christ the celebration and service of justification it is opposite to the service of condemnation the service of condemnation was glorious but the greater is the service of justification as in one person we have all sinned as in one person we are justified we are not justified because we do something, because we evangelize somewhere, because we give someone something, we are justified in Jesus Christ freely. And when we receive our justification freely as a guarantee, we immediately leave our nation we forget it, we deny the house of our Father and our corrupt desires. And our justification given to us in the format of a guarantee becomes our own and we can perform righteousness. May the righteous be righteous still. Blessed be the God that has cloaked us into the service of justification. Do not let go of this thought and never ever give it up. However person may speak, close your ears and do not listen 
when people tell you the opposite. Close your ears and do not listen when people accuse your brothers. And the God of peace will be with you. If there's anyone that may have been accidentally passed by, please stand. If not, I will ask everyone to stand and we will proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.